0: Hello and welcome! You are listening to Desperate Acts of Capitalism, a podcast about money, marketing, and
1: how it all goes wrong. Join us on our magical journey through a wonderland of burning money. I'm Evan Swope. And I'm C.T. Kelly. So what's our topic for today, Evan? So uh, today I'm going to be, um, in contrast to last week where we covered WeWork, which was a a grand sweeping epic about the rise and fall of an empire, I'm going to talk about uh, more of a zoomed-in, microcosmical uh, little uh, character study. Okay. Just, I think the whole story takes place over, like, one and a half years. Okay. Um, And so, uh, the topic for today is J.C. Penney. J.C. Penney. Which, uh, quite honestly, I've been to several, at least several times in my life. Right, yeah. With my mom shopping or buying a, you know, a, some Jeep nicer pants, pants or yeah. something, I don't... Quite honestly, the store never really had much of an impact on me. No. I don't have many memories other than it is a store where there are clothes. I
0: always I always think of JCPenney as, like, one of these department stores that, like, didn't survive the, the retail apocalypse.
1: Yeah. I... Every memory I have of a JCPenney is it being mostly empty. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's mostly empty. There's have... a lot of clothes. There's not very many, like, staff they there. They have
0: reasonably priced pants. Yeah.
1: Like, That's pants. Good... It's just, like, the closest thing I can associate with is just, like, a pair of plain, not-too-interesting pants. Yeah. <laughs> JCPenney, we got some pants. They're pretty—they're not terrible, <laughs> but they're not that exciting. J.C. Penny, we have unremarkable pants. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna set the scene a little bit. On January 24th, 2011, after our rocky 2010 of sales, JCPenney announced that it would exit its catalog business and close all 19 of its catalog outlet stores. An additional seven stores, two call center facilities, and one customer decorating facility would also be closed. Customer decorating facility? I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Come in and decorate your pants. We have stickers. glitter and stickers and pins that you can put on your pants. on acrylic paints. <laughs> if you don't like it, you can leave. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's pretty, you know, standard stuff for a retail store early. Right, it seems pretty reasonable, honestly, just sort of downsizing when your profits aren't really keeping up. Yeah, I mean, the whole theme of the 2010s was the retail apocalypse. Every retail store, apart from a couple like Target and Walmart, were struggling to some extent. Right. So, right. uh, JCPenney was having a, you know, standardly rough time.
0: Right, but it's like your competitors were also downsizing, so it's
1: not a huge deal. Totally. It's it's pretty normal stuff. So, what did JCPenney do? To fix things now. Now I think I think
0: I know what you're going to talk about. I think I, I distinctly remember a specific
1: uh, ad campaign slash like restructuring that they did. Mm-hmm. So yes, J.C. in an effort to save their struggling business, flew in none other than Ron Johnson. Ron Johnson. And to just, I think. I think that there's a lot in the name of Ron Johnson. Mm-hmm. When you picture a Ron Johnson, you picture <laughs> what comes to mind with the name uh, Ron Johnson? I, I, I think of like,
0: I think of like a boring politician. Yeah, I, I think of the last person who should be running like a, a clothing store. You know, this Ron Johnson is the most boringly dressed person ever. Yeah. I, uh, and he's either bald or he's not bald, and he has the most boring haircut.
1: Quite honestly, I looked up a picture of Ron Johnson before recording. I don't remember what he looks like. <laughs> it was like two hours ago. I don't. I can't recall any image into my. Um, just to like introduce the um, the wonder of Ron Johnson, I took the liberty of composing the Ron Johnson theme song. <laughs> a theme song. A theme song for Ron Johnson. So. uh... I'm going to play it from my phone, hopefully this works, but just to give you a sense of how I picture Ron Johnson when he enters a room. Ron Johnson, Ron Johnson, Ron Johnson, Ron Johnson, Ron Johnson, Ron Johnson, Ron Johnson. Johnson <laughs> <laughs> So that's whenever Ron Johnson walks into the room I picture that song plays and everyone has to just like politely wait for it to stop <laughs> <laughs> like he has a little like bluetooth speaker in his pocket that he carries everywhere and,
0: and he stands
1: there and stares and waits for the song to complete Just like a, a little smile on his
0: face like like he's remembering like an old dream <laughs>
1: yes. So, <laughs> so, so what did our what did what did this beautiful man do for JCPenney, Evan? Uh, Ron Johnson. Well, just to give a little background on Ron Johnson, not surprisingly, Ron Johnson received his bachelor's in economics from Stanford University, mm. and he went to Harvard Business School where he earned his MBA. Uh, his uh, career resume is, is pretty uh, pretty bulky. He uh, he was the senior vice president of retail operations at Apple from two thousand to 2012 Oh wow, that's not that's not. Small, no, um, where he basically, he pioneered the concept of Apple retail stores and the Genius Bar, so that's huge. (laughs) That is not small,
0: thrilling commentary from dedicated podcast who does research into this. Boy, that's not small. No, that is an enormous deal, and it would be hard for this guy to fuck stuff up. (laughs)
1: So he's he another thing he did, he was the vice president of merchandising at uh, the Target Corporation, wow. where he was credited for making the store, quote, hip. I I would never describe a Target as hip. Um, yeah, well, he would. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he would be like, yes, I made this store hip. Time to leave. <laughs> My job is done. So, um, hoping he could replicate his success uh, that he had at Apple and Target... JCPenney announced that Ron Johnson would become its new CEO in November 2011, succeeding Mike Ullman, who had served as CEO for the preceding seven years. So they took a long-time established CEO and just threw him out and brought in Ron Johnson to fix things up. Ugh. That... Okay. Like, we talk about red flags on this podcast. Like, there's one. we'd yeah. like have a little counter going. Just ding. Yeah. Um. So Bill Ackman, a JCPenney board member and head of the hedge fund Pershing Square, supported bringing in Johnson to shake up the store's stodgy image and attract new customers. Another red flag. When you're bringing in, like, a celebrity CEO to fix up JCPenney, right, I just, right. I don't know, like, what are you hoping, this isn't like bringing in a new, you know, a new man, a new producer for Taylor Swift to shake up her sound or whatever. Right, like. right. That, that doesn't happen really. Yeah. It's <laughs> this like is a store where you go to buy like discount pants. <laughs> <laughs> well and JCPenney's entire brand has been non-threatening. Exactly. Right? Like it's a store where you go to buy like reasonably priced items that you know you could get any pretty much any other like semi
0: major right. retailer. Like JC Penny is where you buy clothes if you're a spy.
1: Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're, you're trying you're trying to be socially invisible. <laughs> right. You're trying to blend in. Um by wearing nondescript clothing. Uh, Johnson was given $52.7 million when he joined JCPenney and as an act of goodwill he donated $50 million to the store. He invested his own money. Ooh. So, he's showing what a good person he is uh, already. I, <laughs> Trust me, I am a good person. Which is like... It's, it seems like a weird kind of like publicity stunt. Because yeah. like... Give, like I'm going to give all my first year's money to the business because right. I believe in it so much because I care about JCPenney so much. That, that's a w- that's like like okay, when when
0: Nintendo was really struggling during one of its like during a crash, a lot of the upper management like the CEO and CFO would like they would have their own paychecks to be able just to continue paying their workers. Right? Right? But that's something that you do when you're like 20 years in and you're like, you have truly dedicated. Ron Johnson has not really stepped foot in the door yet.
1: Not only has he not stepped foot in the door, there's absolutely no reason in the world for him to care about JCPenney or be passionate about it other than it's his company now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which is like, if it's a struggling company, he shouldn't be paid $52 million in the first place. Right, right. Well, and it... It's like a new stepdad doing something
0: extremely
1: exorbitant to try and impress yeah. his new kids. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I will buy you all, like, the latest gaming system <laughs> like, to show that I am a good person. Please see me as a fun and spontaneous man. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the whole thing ha- kind of has the air of, like, an orchestrated publicity stunt. Right. Like, which, I mean, all publicity stunts are orchestrated. Well, yeah. But this is especially, like, <laughs> right. manufactured. planned. Like... Why would you hire, him? like, if your business is struggling, you're losing a ton of, ton of money, why would you hire this, like, celebrity CEO who's known for turning around businesses and give him all this money that he's right. immediately going to give right. back? Um, so after being hired, Johnson tapped Michael Kramer, an Apple Store veteran. <laughs> <laughs> he comes into the room really fast. All right, we, we had to make the jokes. Yeah. We'll move on. He comes into the JCPenney sliding doors really fast He, like crashes through. <laughs> <laughs> he's like glass embedded in his skin. <laughs> they're trying to do something. They gather all the employees like when we've got Michael Kramer. It's, <laughs> <laughs> like terrible idea. <laughs> he can't he can't work the first few months cuz he's in the hospital for <laughs> right The
0: the other see the, the guys that hired him are like seeing this happen like they're they're watching the paramedics show up with their coffees and they're like it's like He's weird, but this guy's a savant. Like, as yeah. soon as he gets in front of a
1: spreadsheet, man, like <laughs> all this stuff becomes acceptable. In the awkward. T- like in the awkward tension. Um, <laughs> Ron Johnson pulls up his theme song and starts like slowly cranking it on his Bluetooth speaker and everyone's just like looking around as he's being like as Michael Kramer's being like wheeled out on a stretcher. <laughs> Ron Johnson
0: Ron trying Johnson. to divert attention. From yeah.
1: He's like, uh, nothing to see here. <laughs> Look at me. which reminds me of a story of when I was in um, when I was in like fifth grade. We did, like, at my school, which was, like, a private Christian school. Right. Um, they Every year they did, like, a big Thanksgiving feast where there would just be, like, a ton of food. It was, like, a big potluck because right, it was, right. like, a pretty small school. And one year they did, like, a weird, like, Civil War reenactment <laughs> as, like, the entertainment for the evening or, like, for the, for the lunch. And... During the reenact, it wasn't like a, a like a reenactment. It was more just like showing off like costumes and right, like right. authentic guns and stuff like that, which is kind of cool. It was cool, uh, but like during the like show where they were talking like these like old timey accents right, and right. stuff, like it was like a really hot day, and one of the performers passed out from heat exhaustion, <laughs> and he just like collapsed. Yeah, those those uniforms are like yeah. solid wool. <laughs> And but like instead of like they didn't acknowledge it at all. <laughs> they tried to divert attention as the paramedics were called, and they set up like these like borders, and they like put them up so that you couldn't see what was going on. And they continued. They're like, "Yes, this is this is the rifle that they used, and the you know the Confederate soldiers would wear this color, and the buttons went like this." As this guy was being like wheeled out on a stretcher, unconscious. <laughs> yeah, and like no one was paying attention. But that's that.
0: That is the most dedicated group of civil... Yeah. It was like, that's like... That's like Juilliard-level
1: professionalism. Like, the show must go yeah. on. Like, Which do is, not break character. I bring that up to illustrate the point about the fake situation that we <laughs> like, came up with. The situation
0: that we talked about, the, the Seinfeld joke about yeah. this guy's name that didn't happen. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but if it did, that would have been really funny. Um, so, when Johnson announced his transformation vision in late January 2012... JCPenney's stock rose 24% to $43 wow, a that's, share. Wow,
0: that's actually like really good.
1: Yeah, but that's kind of a typical thing to happen when you bring in these big hotshot CEOs. Right. like they're probably going to turn around like because they have all this experience. He turned around two of the big, biggest retailers on the planet. Right, right. Um, so he gives a big speech, says, you know, um, right. we're going to do all these things, we're going to be different. Everyone gets really excited. And right, so right. The, the value of the company goes up. Right, stock prices shoot up. Uh, Johnson's actual execution, however, was described as "quote one of the most aggressively unsuccessful tenures in retail history." Wow, <laughs> aggressively unsuccessful, right? <laughs> Which is a great term. <laughs> Unrelentingly unsuccessful. <laughs> um, while his rebranding effort was ambitious, he was said to have had no idea about allocating and conserving resources and core customers. He made promises neither his stores nor his cash flows would allow him to keep.
0: What? <laughs> what?
1: But this is this is the guy
0: behind, like,
1: Apple and Target? So, I mean, here's my explanation of why, like, before I even dive into the details of this, like, why this, this man who's had so much success in the past could have such an unsuccessful tenure. It's just, he's riding this wave of, like, I can do no wrong. Like, I turned oh. around. For, he's... He's no, like, spring chicken as a, like, a CEO or, like, a, a chief, ex- like, top executive. Right, right. Like, he's been working as a huge hotshot executive for upwards of, like, 15 years. Right. He's been having, which is a huge, like, way more than, like, way more publicity than most executives get. Right, right. These like, guys
0: are, that's part of what you realize doing this podcast is that there's very little information on these guys. There's Totally. Because like, they don't get in the public eye. Totally. And so when you do... I can totally see one of these like, like faceless gray suits yeah. getting some press attention and just immediately having it like poison them yeah. like like a Roman emperor. Or the something. god
1: complex develops like slowly but like aggressively. Um. It's like, <laughs> like like one of those experiments where they give a rat like a triple dose of heroin <laughs> yeah. and they're just immediately addicted, yeah. right? Exactly. I mean, it's just like not only is he making a crap ton of money and getting insane stock options in his company, like he is getting like like press from like major like, right like like trade publications and like made. I'm sure like Business Insider right. and forums well,
0: I, I remember this the JCPenney thing being it was like a real news story. Like, yeah. Like E covered it. It was right. like entertainment news because exactly. of how crazy this was.
1: Totally. Because like Target and Apple are like two of the biggest. Consumer like staples. Right. So right. everyone knows about it when it's just like it beca- there's these profiles that develop, like Ron Johnson, the man behind the genius, like right, the genius right. behind the genius bar. So I feel like that went to his head, and now he's like, whatever I do is divine, and right, I, right. Will, I am always right, always. Right. <laughs> um, Similar to what he had done at Apple, Johnson did not consider a staged rollout. Instead, he quote, immediately rejected everything existing customers believed about the chain and stuffed it in their faces. (laughs) Like, just keep going, just keep going. (laughs) So with the first major TV ad campaign under his tenure, uh, Ron Johnson employed a spokeswoman Ellen DeGeneres that right oh my, god. Right. Yeah. Oh my like god the big commercial with with Ellen which poked fun at coupons and markdown g- gimmicks throughout retail history where and J.C. Pl- Penny claimed that it was leading the movement against quote fake prices in the world of retail you, this like unlocked repressed memories <laughs> yeah. like i i vividly remember this yeah. oh my god so this was like JCPenney was staging a, a revolution. Right. Like, they were going to take down all the gimmicks, all the things, all the fake prices where they pretend that it's on sale, even though it cost one fiftieth of that to make. Right. Like, they right. were going to change everything. Like, they were, like, this is what was, like, getting people excited. Like, this was, like, a retail revolution. Right. Um, so, on February 1st, 2012, Johnson introduced a radical new pricing method, which he called Fair and Square Pricing. Um, no longer would prices end in a 9 or a 7, but instead would use whole figures to price items. Right. So it's taking away this, like, trick of, like, $3.99. You associate that with $3 instead of $4. Right. So, like, no, we're not going to lie to consumers. We're just going to call it $4. Right. Like, we're going to be honest. We're not going to use these tricks. We're going to tell you how much it costs. Um, Instead of listing an item with a severely marked up original price and then almost always uh, selling it at a major discount, um, of 30%, 40% or 50% off, the store just like gave flat prices of 40% off and just didn't have sales. Right. So like everything was at like kind of like a median discount. Right. But they just, it wouldn't fluctuate with the seasons. It right. would just be like, this is what it costs. It's cheap, but it's not going to be like a ridiculous like liquidation sale. Like right. Those, those right. are never going to exist anymore. Like the, the item costs what it costs. Right. Right. So fair and square pricing was hotly debated by market analysts. The strategy was described by some as sane and a breath of fresh air in the retail industry. But others were highly skeptical of the logic of this strategy, believing it to be too much too soon. Mm. This was a huge change. Basically, you know, totally rethinking how, pri- like, how prices are conceived right. in the world of marketing.
0: But it's like I, can, I could totally see this working. Like, totally. if If you pitched this to me... I would, I would, it all depends on how you market it, right? It all depends on, like, if you can make it a thing.
1: Exactly. If you can make it a thing and if your business is interesting enough to make people want to shop there. Right. Because, like, you can't just do this with any store because, you know, it's still, like, JCPenney. Right, right. Why don't you just wait for the, the discount, like, the crazy discount at, you know, like, Kohl's or whatever. Right, right. You just wait for the next one. So, um, consumer psychologist Kit Yero stated that she was rooting for JCPenney's new approach because all the pricing games really are, hash- are, are <laughs> I almost said hashtag, are uh, quote, quite silly. Um, but she was... <laughs> hashtag quite silly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, she was skeptical that it would work in the marketplace. Um, quote, in some way, we all derive value from an item's original price. It's very hard to internally know how much something is worth otherwise. Without the big markdown, there's no urgency to make a purchase today. Right. People tend to use sales to rationalize buying things in their mind that, frankly, they probably don't need. If you can't say, "But I got it on sale," you're likely to feel guilty about purchasing it.
0: Right. This is where you get into like the the uh, the game theory bit. Of, exactly. Of, of like economics of running a business. Yeah. It's like there's this psychology of choice that goes into all how people price these sales out. Yeah. You know, and that's sort of it's like. If you can make this whole fair and square pricing thing have some grounding in all of that, in that, like, psychological choice-making, if you can still ground it in that, I could totally see it working. Yeah. But without... It's like all that stuff is so powerfully built into your brain. Yeah. And so I... Like I could totally see it crashing and burning.
1: Totally, like, especially if it's not a brand that you particularly even care about. Right. Like if Apple started doing that with their products, you'd be like, Yes, like I'm gonna people are gonna like start shopping at Apple. They mark down all their prices by this amount. Right. Um, but it's like it's JCPenney. Like the reason you shop at a JCPenney is because they're having their Black Friday sale. Right. They're having their big blowout sale. You say you see the commercial, you get the coupon in the mail or whatever, it's like I guess I have to go. Like, I can't miss this 70% off sale. Right.
0: You don't really pop into a JCPenney to see what they've got in stock yeah, like, because what, you know what items. they've got in stock. you yeah. have got
1: brown pants. Yeah, exactly. Um, Mark Elwood, author of Chasing the Sale, said, I think it underestimates what a sport discount hunting is. Yeah. So exactly what you said, the game theory. It's like, this is what people do, like, like in their, like... As a whole in shopping is... This is how you shop. Exactly. It's like you wait for the discounts and then you pounce. Right. There's that thrill of I got a great deal on this.
0: Oh, yeah. That's a good... That's a really good point, actually.
1: Totally. And it's just like you can buy this, you know whatever, you know, like sweater or whatever. You probably have a couple sweaters, you're fine. But it's like, no, I got this sweater for 60% off. I'm smart. I got this. Well, like, you know, okay, you know that cliche of like
0: you're interviewing for a sales job and then the guy says, sell me this pen, Yeah. right? And the, you don't describe the features of the pen. Mm-hmm. You ask like... How did you feel the last time you bought a pen? What was that experience like? It's like, let me, the salesperson, make that experience good for you. What pouncing on a deal does is it creates a great customer experience because they feel great. You feel like you
1: won. You feel
0: like you won.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, So it's taking taking away that fun of shopping and if there's no fun, it, it becomes a chore. And if it's a chore, yeah. you don't choose JCPenney as the place to do your chores. Right. Um, another problem laid out in a Harvard Business Review article um, analyzing JCPenney's change is that, quote, Quite simply, JCPenney lacks the differentiation to make this pricing strategy successful. JCPenney's Pen- projects are fairly homogenous. When selling a relatively undifferentiated product, the only lever to generate higher sales is discounts. Even worse, if competitors drop prices on comparable products, JCPenney's hands are tied. It's a sitting duck that can't respond. Yeah, it sounds like... It sounds like Ron Johnson's... Like, his
0: attitude towards this was correct. Mm -hmm. Like, he knows... He knows how to structure... A retail space but he didn't understand jc penny's place in the market exactly right
1: well he's used to working at target and apple which have differentiated themselves so much right to the point of being nearly category killers right you know jc penny is one in a line of discount retailers that are virtually identical right like that's like the same thing like going into a tj maxx or a kohl's or a jc penny or a whatever nordstrom rack or whatever right, i right. cannot think of how they are laid out any differently in my mind right exactly because at least with walmart and target you know that walmart is like
0: walmart is like the cheaper kind of grotier one but they've got better prices yeah and target is like
1: the kind of more bougie one yeah um and they might have nicer products exactly and you immediately like if someone mentions target i immediately remember what a target looks like right i have vivid memories of being inside a target they have different mouthfeel. Exactly, yeah. J.C. Penney is like, oh yeah, I're kind of, like the same way you like you remember like a tree on the side of the, like I, I remember it was a tree, I don't remember what kind of tree it was. Right,
0: J.C. Penney and Kohl's and TJ Maxx and Nordstrom's Rack all have the same mouthfeel.
1: Totally. Uh, despite the criticism, Johnson defended his strategy and his hasty implementation of such a radical change. He did not conduct any small-scale tests of the fair and square pricing, stating that testing... Th- testing the change would be impossible because the company needed quick results and that if he hadn't taken a strong stance against discounting, he would not have been able to get new stylish brands on board. Uh, And that's just dumbass humorous. Like, (laughs) that's just a a fucking mistake. Like, what, what was that last line? Uh, if he hadn't taken a strong stance against discounting, he would not have been able to get new stylish brands on board. New and stylish Which brands like, at J.C. When was that ever the strategy? <laughs> it's like when, did, like I remember the fair and Square pricing commercial. I don't remember. It was like now we have like, you know, like right. the latest like Armani suits or whatever. Right, you know, right. it's J.C. Penny. You don't go there for fashionable brands yeah, it's or like, whatever. Maybe they did have fashionable brands, but like no one knows that. Right. Like, it's again, it's just like under. Like misunderstanding what JCPenney Penny is, like thinking it's a br- like a place, you know, like a brand that people recognize, and not right. just a place to buy cheap things. Well, and that
0: that that idea of it's like, ah, oh, we just got to get it out now.
1: Yeah, you know, move
0: fast, break things. It's like that everything we've read on this podcast, that is wrong. That is always wrong. Moving fast and being like throwing caution to the wind is the worst possible thing that you can do when you are a business.
1: Right. Exactly. It's like, especially such a radical change. Like literally like rethinking the marketing experience. At best you're wasting money and at worst you are tanking your company. Exactly. And like not even testing it. It's just like, let's do it. Like I know it'll work. Right. Like that's the hubris coming in. Uh, so it soon became clear that this new strategy was a disastrous decision for J.C. Penney. Uh, Johnson believed that many of the initiatives that were successful at the Apple Stores would also apply to JCPenney. For instance, Johnson wanted to turn J.C. Penney into a store where quote people would show up because they were it was a fun place to hang out and they were they would buy things listed at full but fair price. It's like, <laughs> like we've been saying, people don't go to J.C. Penney to hang out. No,
0: you don't. And <laughs> what would you? do to hang out there's nowhere to sit yeah like, exactly it's just like wow brown pants yeah wow it's,
1: more it, brown pants it is a quick it's like I heard like I heard like an interesting I was listening to a podcast like one of, like, a, like I'm sure you've heard of Planet Money NPR's yeah, yeah. Uh, econo- economics podcast they were describing how like the business of restaurants and someone made a really good point where restaurants are not selling you food they're selling real estate and basically, mm. restaurants that cost less, like they have cheaper prices, they want you in and out of there as quick as possible. Right. they're trying to turn tables. Exactly, they're trying to turn tables so that they can make a better profit. A, a restaurant that charges higher prices, they have comfier, comfier seats, right. the waiter takes a little bit longer, they, they're okay with you hanging out there for an hour and a half. Right. Um, I think it's the same thing with retail. Like A, a store like Penny like, what makes that work is they want you in there for the discounts and out. You're right. in there. You know what you want. You grab it. You see the sign. You're out. Right. Like, a you, store you like... You sweep the store and you grab what you want. Exactly. And it's the margins are lower. The profit per item sold is lower, but they have much more customers because they're able to move through right, it cause so they quickly. Because
0: they can turn it.
1: They can turn them a lot faster. Exactly. And like, like, as opposed to like an Apple store where they want you to stay there for an hour because they right. want you to find the right price because you're paying... $1,000 plus, right, and they're the making minimum. a huge yeah. margin, um, so they they need, need less customers to be profitable. Right. right. So again, it's just misunderstanding what JCPenney is. Right. Just misunderstanding their entire market niche. Um, so this clearly did not work for the J C JCPenney brand and ended up alienating its customers who are used to rushing into the store during heavily discounted sales? This this reminds me of like what happened to Radio Shack, where it's mm-hmm. like
0: the CEO completely misunderstands what what the purpose of the store is. Exactly, it's like oh, you have this enormous, you have this brand based around a customer base of like hobbyists and specialty products, yeah. And you're like, no, we're gonna make it like an Apple Store. <laughs> we're gonna sell like six products and like. Like, no, you're ruining everything that makes the store profitable.
1: Totally. It's just that this mindset of, like, if it was successful for Apple, we just need to replicate that. And it'll right. work. It's like, but you're not Apple. The reason it worked for Apple is because it's Apple. Right. It's a, a unique, singular brand that nothing else can can replicate. Right. Um, so by eliminating the thrill of pursuing markdowns, this fair and square pricing... A disenfranchised JCPenney's traditional customer base, customer base. It took away their voting rights. Yeah, exactly. Um, who, unsurprisingly, did not perceive JCPenney as a pre- premium brand like Apple. Like big surprise. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. J.C. is where you go during Black Friday, not where you want to buy like the latest in technology. Right, right. <laughs> so here's where, here's where Ron Johnson really makes a name for himself. Uh, give yeah. it to me, Ron. <laughs> Johnson himself was said to quote have a disdain for JCPenney's traditional customer base. <laughs> so he he viewed the the, J. C., the traditional JCPenney customers as like peasant filth that needed to be really educated <laughs> And we, <laughs> these rats in my stall <laughs> gutter <Gotcha> snipes. <Yeah. laughs>
0: like I love how he shows up and he's just like, "I care about this company. I'm donating the fifty million dollars that you gave. <laughs> I'm keeping two of them, though." Uh, it's like I'm. It's like now that takes on a tone of like, in my generosity, I'm donating fifty million dollars <laughs> to you gutter snipes. Yeah. It's like the the person. Go on, buy some better clothes, <laughs> you peasants.
1: It's like the billionaire that like is dedicated to, like, ending homelessness, but, but, like, if a homeless guy, like, came up to him, he would, like, jump and squeak. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. What creature is that? Oh, my. (laughs) Um, When shoppers weren't reacting positively to the disappearance of coupons and sales, Johnson, of course, did not blame the new policies. Uh Anything but that. Here we go. (laughs) These peasants just don't understand. So, instead, he offered the assessment that customers just needed to be, quote, educated as to how the new pricing strategy worked. It's like we simply need to re-educate our, our customers. So he, I, I will just teach you my concepts and then you will understand and then you can contribute to society, peasants. The problem with the poor is that they don't understand economics. If we just educate them, then they can get good jobs and, <laughs> and contribute in a real way to the world. Um, he also likened... <laughs> All right. Come on. Come on. He also likened the coupons beloved by so many core shoppers as drugs that customers needed to be weaned uh, off of. <laughs> <coughs> oh, <I'm> sorry.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: You filth. Addicted to your opium. Filth. J- junkies. Yeah.
0: This, just... this guy really is like... Uh, I, I take it back. He's not, he's not an insane, levacious Roman emperor. He's a, he's a disdainful East India Company like, <laughs> merchant captain, right? right? He's talking about, like... It literally sounds like he's
1: talking about these, like... These, like, bar- barbarous... These barbarous Chinese. Yeah. It's, it's like, if we give them their discounts, they'll just spend it on heroin. And therefore we don't give. The tea trade is everything, and... <laughs> the only thing that we can get them to trade us is opium. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, his whole perception of shoppers is not very inspiring (laughs) like this guy who wants to change the whole retail experience like and give customers a new like better shopping experience I wonder
0: if he was like this with the Apple and Target customers or because or I wonder if it's if when he went to JCPenney he's like oh I'm no longer dealing with a premium brand I have to uh, mingle with the rabble
1: (laughs) low-class customers, hmm. I will I will educate them about oh, premium concepts. I'm sure I can whip them into shape. Yeah. Um, so, um, while he was doing all this and making these statements, Johnson continued to live in California while working in the JCPenney office in Plano, Texas, and commuting by private jet several days a week. <laughs> what an asshole. He doesn't even have the decency to move to the state... <laughs> Where J.C. Penney is located. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, w- I wouldn't be caught dead in, in Plano, Texas. Oh. He's like, I'm going to give $50 million, but I won't even move my body to the filth of where J.C. Penney is. But their headquarters is is located in a light business district. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah. It, like, he will not move from Beverly Hill. Like, he's he's so dedicated to J.C. Penny, he won't even relocate. What? A- God, now it's like... Now it's like the him donating that fifty million is like I don't want your filthy peasant money. Yeah, have this laundered and returned to me. It's like maybe you can use that this money to scrub the floors and, right. and kill the rat population. <laughs> God, it's like throwing money at the problems. Like, clean it. Ugh. Vile. Um. So here's like a, a weird left turn. Okay, um, but I think it kind of reveals like how much like goodwill that. Johnson was inspiring in his employees. Okay. So in January 2012 in 2012 the the company's uh COO revealed to the the Wall Street Journal that more than 30% of the working bandwidth of JCPenney's employees was used for the viewing of YouTube videos. 30 30%? 30% 1 of 3 hours spent working was spent not working.
0: That uh oh, that is crazy that's fucking nuts
1: but like here's the thing the ceo isn't even in the office every day of the week right the ceo is out of the office roughly i don't know one third of two yeah exactly he it's because no one cares because the ceo doesn't care right it's like so like clearly no one was like Checking up on employees or like inspiring them, so they're just like watching video, like watching. But that's that's not the employees. That's like other executives. That's upper
0: management. It's like no one's checking in on like the fucking CFO. Like. If your CFO is spending one in three hours just like dicking around watching some Shane Dawson or whatever, yeah, watching
1: like Jimmy Fallon plays like (laughs) ping pong with, watching uh, Family Guy funniest moments or whatever. Exactly, Modern Family bloopers, (laughs) (laughs) clapping like an idiot. Yeah, so. So, when this report came out about his workers, uh, Ron Johnson flew into a rage. And in one (laughs) month. On his private jet. Yeah. (laughs) In one month, he laid off nearly 13% of his employees. Oh, God.
0: Okay. Uh, Like, I hope you're counting out your uh, red flags at home. There's another one. (laughs) Take a drink. Ooh. We've got uh, enormous staff turnover.
1: Yeah. It's, It's like. He's the one not caring about the business, and therefore his employees don't care. And when, he, But he when he learns that they don't care as much as he doesn't care, he, like, heads start rolling. He's like, how dare they? How dare they? <laughs> they watch YouTube videos. And he just, like, points at, like, a list at random, like, waving his finger. I was like, I'm firing this guy and this guy and this guy. <sighs> That's, that is seriously, like, he
0: really is... Like an East India captain, <laughs> East India Company captain.
1: Yeah, um, many managers, supervisors, and long-term employees were let go, like during this turnover. So just like <sighs> not like new hires, just like veterans of the company were just like fired at random. Right. Well, and
0: we we talk about like one of the central things of this podcast is like what was the final blow? Like yeah. what was it that really took it out? Right. It, and but there's always. It, it's never just one punch, yeah. right? It's always like a four hit combo. Yeah. And this is punch number two. <laughs> exactly. You, know, you can still come back from this if you bob and weave just right, but every single hit just makes it harder to come back.
1: Totally, yeah. You keep falling further down the mountain. Um, in, in June 2012, the company announced that Michael Francis, the company's president, was leaving the company after only a tenure of eight months. Oh, wow. Um, in July 2012, the company announced that it was laying off 350 more workers at, at its headquarters. Wow. So it was moving from, like, uh, Ron Johnson just randomly firing people to, like, we're actually having to let people go because, right. like, this isn't sustainable. We're right. losing a ton of money. Right.
0: You're, you're seeing mass departures.
1: Uh, in August 2012 the company reported a second quarter comparable store loss of twenty two percent, with internet sales dropping over thirty-three percent. Wow. So this was failing miserably. Like That's horrible. This was supposed to like revitalize their business and increase it twofold. They're, like it's they're losing money. Right. You've hand lost twenty percent of your profit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at the same day that these numbers were posted, Johnson said at an said at an analyst meeting in New York quote I'm completely convinced that our transformation is on track. It's like why was this was this before or after the numbers were posted? This was after. This is during a meeting to question him about the the losses and he's like I am 100% confident it's on track. Yeah. It's like uh Ron yeah. but here's the thing after he made this comment the stock rose 5%. It's wow. It's this whole idea of these like these CEOs that inspire confidence no matter what the facts right. say. It's like uh, no no no, it's working and people are like, Oh, I guess he knows what he's talking about. Like like, I
0: would I would even still give him that. Because yeah. a lot of the times if you're doing something this like radical and crazy, it's like, yeah, there will be a it's like sometimes there will be a dip and from the outside it's like maybe they're just investing a shit ton into their stores. Yeah. Right. But it's like you can't know that. Right. Like maybe There hasn't been a pattern yet, right? I would still give people the benefit of the doubt here. Exactly. But
1: really, like, And that's what they're giving him. It's like, yes, we've lost a ton of money, but it's like, okay, maybe, like, he still is a very successful executive. Like, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Right. Maybe it'll be okay. Uh, Let's just, like, continue to, like, ride this out a little bit longer. Right. Um, However, in the fourth quarter of the 2012 fiscal year, same-store sales dropped another 32%, which led some to call it the worst quarter in retail history, which Uh. (laughs) is not a great thing you want people to say about your business. Yeah, no. Um, Not surprisingly, strategic choices made by Johnson the previous year, including the change in pricing strategy, were starting to be called into question after this quarter. Uh Uh And... (laughs) After another disastrous quarter where they lost another third of their business on April eighth, twenty thirteen, Ron Johnson was fired as the CEO of JC Penny. Oh man. Like that's that's
0: insane. That's yeah. like over three quarters. That's like, okay, that's a twenty percent drop. Yeah. And then another thirty percent drop. Yeah. So you're down you're already down fifty percent. Yep. And then another third. So you're down to you're down to what? Like thirty percent of
1: yeah. Of what you were making last year. Exactly. The only thing that got them to fire Ron Johnson was when they were in danger of their sales dropping to zero. Oh. <laughs> they were like, ooh, well, maybe we'll just give him one more quarter. Oh, Maybe no. we'll just give him one more quarter. Maybe we'll just give him one more quarter until it's like, we can't just give him one more quarter. It's <laughs> like, it's done. <laughs> it has to at least stay above zero. Yeah, exactly. And... The, the crazy thing is, after he was fired, he was immediate. Ron Johnson was immediately replaced by his predecessor, Mike Olman, who had been the CEO of Jay-Z Penny for the previous eight years. I
0: feel so bad for that guy.
1: Yeah. He just got like fired and then less than two years later, rehired again. It's like, yeah, remember when we fired you? Uh, Please come you're back. You're actually. Uh, it's like we're sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: and but it's like it's like coming back to. Coming back to this company, and it's just been utterly gutted. Yeah. It's just been
1: destroyed. They come crawling back to you on their hands and knees. It's right. It's like, please. It's like, we brought in
0: Ron Johnson. Like, I have to give props to whatever executives, like, had to make that
1: request. Because yeah. that has to be, like, humiliating. <laughs> and Michael would say, oh, you want me back, do you? Right. They <laughs> were my demands. Well,
0: well, well. Yeah.
1: Look who it is. <laughs>
0: having fun
1: with Ron, were you? (laughs) It's like, I don't know. I could just leave you with Ron. Like, no, no. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's like the episode of SpongeBob where uh, um, Plankton steals SpongeBob's contract from... Yeah, yeah, grab, and then like ends up like begging Mr. Grab to take SpongeBob back after like SpongeBob is like driving Plankton to the point of madness. <laughs> right. Like, oh God, this guy, this guy's become a liability. Yeah. Um, so the official statement put out after Ullman was rehired that Ullman was well positioned to quickly analyze the situation JCPenney faces and take steps to improve the company's performance. It's like. Yeah, because yeah. he's a competent CEO. Yeah. <laughs> like He's really, doing his job. <laughs> it's like, yes, yeah, so this guy is not going to drop our sales to ap- like the <laughs> ne- bottom of the barrel. Near zero. Or it's like, I think Jay-Z Penny realized that it's like, oh, it wasn't because Mike Ullman was a bad CEO. It's because literally every single business is struggling. Right. Every single retail business is struggling. It's literally nobody's fault. Huh, maybe this problem is like... Systemic. Yeah. And it's like they experience what it really meant to have an incompetent CEO. Right. Like, they're like, We have an incompetent CEO, we have to bring in Ron Johnson. And he's like, Yes. Alright, let's make some changes and by the end of it the they're like, it's like, we shouldn't have ever doubted you. Right.
0: Now they know the the real definition of an incompetent CEO. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um But like good on them for actually hiring hiring Oldman back. Totally. Instead of bringing in, like, Bob Newman or something, like, an even bigger dick to, like... Right, (laughs) right. Just... uh, Make another crazy change. So many of these companies, they just, like,
0: they stick it out as long as they can. Totally. Like, props to... Like... Honestly, props to JCPenney for not yeah. letting it sink them.
1: Exactly. Um, during a November 2013 conference call to Wall Street analysts, Ullman announced that JCPenney is restoring initial markups necessary to support the return to a promotional department store strategy. So, in effect, he was getting rid of fair and square prices. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like let's not do that anymore. Like it, it's, it was like a bold experiment, but it, it was a failure. I, I
0: kind of really wanted him to like get Ellen DeGeneres back and have her be yeah. like, we're sorry, America. Right. You know what? We fucked up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: um, and uh, Michael Mann also stated that, quote, they were going to slowly transition back to the promotional pricing strategy the company is known for. So it's just like, we're going to just keep doing what we were doing before <laughs> right. we brought in Ron Johnson. Right. <laughs> this, this whole thing is just a sort of like anyway back to
0: what we were doing
1: it's like, yeah so that happened and it's like they didn't learn anything from this experience except don't do that again <laughs> <laughs> which i that's the lesson right that's a great lesson yeah i mean they learned that it's like what they're doing though it's like they're gonna struggle and they're gonna need to cut corners well not cut corners but like cut the fat and and get a do what it takes to evolve in the the midst of the retail apocalypse. What they're doing isn't a wrong strategy. Right. The depart like the um, the discount. You know the radical discounts. The the pricing cycles. The like the game theory version of it, that's what works. That's how these uninteresting bland stores make money. Right. Is by convincing the customer that they're getting a deal that they can get nowhere else. Right. Um. So after this whole um, this whole. Debacle. Debacle. On December first, twenty thirteen, uh, JCPenney was replaced in the S and P five hundred index, and um, S and P cited JCPenney's thirty seven percent fall in market value. Uh, yeah, to, <laughs> as the reason they were removing it from the index. So because of Ron Johnson, JCPenney lost a huge position position right, right. in the market, which is which is really hurtful to a business. Right. Yeah. Um. So just to wrap up, like. JCPenney has never really been able to recover. Uh, Mm. There's still a business, but in February 2017, they announced that they were going to close 138 stores. Wow. Um, Crazy liquidation sales began on May 22nd of 2017, and the stores closed by July. Another eight stores and a huge distribution center closed in 2018. And uh, by 2019, 30 more JCPenney stores closed. So, JCPenney is in the late stages of the retail apocalypse. I think mm-hmm. there's still JCPenney's around, but they're far less frequent, they're slow. It's just slow like death spiral. Right. And I think like all this what this really did was like I mean, it was inevitable that JCPenney was probably going to fail in the midst of the retail apocalypse. It right. doesn't have a strong enough brand, but all that Ron Johnson did was just speed up the process. Right. He just he just like it was the retail apocalypse took all these
0: big department stores and really just started bleeding them out. Like exactly. that amount of real estate is the like the problem with all these retail stuffs is the real estate. Yeah. Right. You have to churn an enormous amount of product just to just to meet cost. Exactly. Just to meet your operating cost, and I think you're right. Like it just. Ron Johnson was just two more bleeding wounds yeah, that exactly. Penny did not need.
1: Just takes the sickly child and, like, shakes them a little bit. <laughs> Makes them die a little bit sooner. <laughs> but it's like, maybe shaking the child could have worked. But it's right. like, we don't know anything about medicine. Right. So, right. This is the... <laughs> Especially not Ron Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, quite honestly, it's like, I don't see Ron Johnson as a total, like, complete dumbass i see him as no. a man full of absolute hubris who tried something too bold too quickly too fast i mean to without testing anything right that just ended up being a failure because he wasn't willing to be patient with it he wasn't it's... willing to conduct small-scale tests he just like i'm gonna make a change and make another huge success on my resume right the the real desperate act here was made out of overconfidence totally that it's was like, the heart of it Maybe with a little bit more caution and with a little bit more patience, uh, this strategy could have worked. And JCPenney could be an exception to the retail apocalypse. Right. But because of the hubris and just the corporate bullshitness and his whole attitude toward the whole thing, it was just like... (laughs) His utter disdain! Like the rat peasants. It's like, fair and square pricing is not a bad idea by any means. No, it's not. It's like, if you're going to approach it with the mindset that, like, this is... This is the medicine that'll heal the the poverty stricken peasants, right, right. rat peasants like of this town. It's like it's not gonna work because you don't right. really understand the problem. You just Nothing
0: in Nothing in business can be forced upon mm-hmm. the public, right? You can't you can't force people to shop somewhere. Yeah. That's not how any of this capitalism shit works. Totally.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like Ron Johnson just sees himself as the solution, but it's like if he would have just see, like put the solution at the forefront instead of his own like name, his own like you know looking out for his own resume, then I think right. it could have it worked. If he was truly dedicated to J C Penny it would have worked. But it, he never was. Right. All right. <laughs> and with that, I'm just gonna play our song one more time. Play us out. <laughs> play us out, Ron. <laughs> Ron Johnson. As, he's, as he's dejectedly Ron leaving Johnson. his office Ron Johnson. He hangs his head high as He's Johnson. removed
0: from the throne yeah, Now this sounds Johnson. like He's like being carried by the Praetorian Ron Guard Johnson. Towards the gallows yeah. Ron <laughs> you, you
1: peasants You just didn't understand Anyway, that's, uh. Uh, that's the story of Ron Johnson Thanks, Ron. All right. (laughs) Thanks, Ron. (laughs) Thanks, Ron.